All right, let me let me finish this little bit of wine that I have here. Oh God, yes. Happy Friday. Well, my Friday is. So I'm gonna release this tomorrow, Saturday. Saturday, May twentieth is when this is gonna be released. Today, uh, welcome back to Short Story Bingo. By the way, my name is Nate Chacon, and um, it's been a couple weeks. Uh, I certainly um, am back on my grizzly as it is. Um, to uh, make sure you guys get episodes. Um, also, make sure to check out the People's Pod Show on the Utah Podcast Network uh, with my man Keith McDonald. Him and I have been holding, uh, doing a great job with uh, interviewing folks. And you can see some of the uh, people that we have um, uh, interviewed on my Instagram. Uh, just search Gabino underscore Grimes, and Grimes is spelled G-R-H-Y-M-E-S. Uh, having said that, we are back and ready for more action so uh i wanted to go uh well we're keeping it classic really um i have mark twain up next and uh one of the stories is uh that i found pretty intriguing as i read just a little bit of it was uh, called a ghost story and it's by mark twain like i said uh came out in 1875 and the story is um based on and we all know that mark twain is one of the uh declared as one of the best humorists in the you know American literature but uh, it's based on a, a 19th century hoax of uh, was a, 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 a giant or what have you in which like a, a petrified uh, giant was um, allegedly carved out of stone and uh, buried in the ground for other people to find so people came to pay money to see it or whatever um, but after a failed bid uh, to buy the statue, um, P.T. Barnum, yes, P.T. Barnum from Barnum & Bailey's, uh, rest in peace to that whole organization, uh, made a replica of it and claimed um, that it was the original. And so naturally, Mark Twain found an opportunity to uh, talk shit, as it were, about a stupid story that wasn't real in the first place. So we're going to have fun to read about it. I must warn you that it is Mark Twain. So... Um, I'm, I, I, I hearken back to uh, the Family Guy episode with the N-word Jim. So there's going to be some shit that I can't... I'm going to read it. So there's that. <laughs> um, with that said, I certainly appreciate everyone that subscribed. You can check this uh, podcast on Google Play, iTunes, TuneIn, um, Stitcher. Uh, obviously, if you're listening where you're listening from, uh, encourage your friends to do so as well. And we're going to get into this. And as always, the intro song. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Sometimes they're funny and sometimes they're sad. Most of the time they're funny because I hate to be sad. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. But don't take my word for it. Spare fingers. Yes. 1875 is when this story, well, it was 1874 when it was originally written, uh, wrote, rather, um, 1875 when it was released, um, and yeah, again, by Mark Twain, um, it's called A Ghost Story, kind of explained it already, what it is, so we're going to jump right into it. One more time, you are rocking with Short Story Bingo, my name is Nate Chacon, thank you so much for all the support that everyone has given, and c please continue to let your friends know. Uh... Feel free to uh, send me some short stories that you would like for me to read um, at 
Eric Chacon, so that's A-I-R-C-H-A-C-O-N at yahoo.com, Eric Chacon at yahoo.com, and I will uh, be on the hunt for the story that uh, you want me to read. Whether it's online, I'll read it off, off the internet, or um, I'll dig for it. So uh, anyhow, so let's get into this. A ghost story by Mark Twain. I took a large room far up Broadway in a huge old building whose upper stories had been wholly unoccupied for years until I came. The place had long been given up to dust and cobwebs, to solitude and silence. I seemed groping among the tombs and invading the privacy of the dead that first night I climbed up to my quarters. For the first time in my life, a superstitious, superstitious dread came over me. For the first time, that was the first time that it happened. <laughs> and as I turned a dark angle of the stairway, and an invisible cobweb, they're not invisible, they're very visible, you can visible, visibly see cobwebs. And an invisible cobweb swung its lazy wolf in my face and clung there. I shuddered as one who had encountered a phantom. I don't, I think there's a, a little bit, if you've ever stepped into a cobweb, it's more than just encountering a phantom, it's full on freak out. That's fucking, you are definitely, if you have walked in, taken one hike in the woods and just come upon a, a spider's web it's it's like you're trying to fight your way out of a fire that's not there i i would i would strongly consider if you encountered a phantom it'd be like i don't know um who are you especially if you're like an opera house and i guess that would be a little bit more fitting but no i was glad enough when i reached my room and locked out the mold in the darkness a uh, moldy room, probably should check out already. A cheery fire was burning in the grate, and I sat down before it with a comforting sense of relief. For two hours I sat there, thinking of bygone times, recalling, recalling old scenes and summoning half-forgotten faces out of the mists of the past, listening in fancy to voices that long ago grew silent for all time, and to once familiar songs that nobody sings now. And as my reverie softened down to a sadder and sadder pathos, the shrieking of the winds outside softened to a wail, the angry beating of the rain against the panes diminished to a tranquil patter, and one by one the noises in the street subsided, until the hurrying footsteps of the last belated straggler died away in the distance and left no sound behind. Very good how he said that. I like that a lot. The fire had burned low. A sense of loneliness crept over me because you're alone. That's why. I arose and undressed, moving on tiptoe about the room. Is this a guy or a chick? I don't even, for the, f I'm not even sure if this is a guy or a chick. So when, when it said um, that they, okay. I don't know yet. We'll find out, I'm sure. All right. A sense of loneliness crept over me. I arose and undressed. Moving on tiptoe about the room, doing stealthily what I had to do. Why? As if I were environ uh, environed by sleeping enemies whose slumbers it would be fatal to break. I covered up in bed and lay listening to the rain and wind and the faint creaking of distant shutters till they lulled me to sleep. I think I have an app on my phone that has that same sound, even the shutters part. I slept profoundly, but how long I do not know. All at once I found myself awake, 
and filled with a shuddering expectancy. All was still, all but my own heart. I could hear it beat. Presently, the bedcloths began to slip away slowly toward the foot of the bed, as if someone were pulling them. I could not stir. I could not speak. Still, the blankets slipped deliberately away till my breast was uncovered. <gasps> my breast. Then, with a great effort, I seized them and drew them over my head. Get the fuck over me. I waited, listened, waited, listened again. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that part. Once more, that steady pull began, and once more I lay torpid, a century of dragging seconds till my breast was naked again. Ah, my breast is naked again amongst this torpid dragging session. At last, I roused my energies and snatched the covers back to their place and held them with a strong grip. I waited. By and by, I felt a faint tug. That's fucking fucked up, by the way. Just a faint tug, like a, just come here. Just give me just a little, just a, and you're like, no, just come up. By and by, I felt a faint tug and took a fresh grip, as opposed to a not fresh grip. The tug strengthened to a steady strain. God, maybe let the blanket go and look under the bed? The tug strengthened to a steady strain. It grew stronger and stronger. My hold parted, and for the third time, the blanket slid away. I groaned. An answering groan came from the foot of the bed. What? Yeah, fuck that. Beaded drops of sweat stood upon my forehead. Yeah. That's crazy. I was more dead than alive. Well, I, I would starkly disagree with that. I feel like you're more alive than dead at this point because of how... Presently, I heard a heavy footstep in my room. Yep, the step of an elephant. There can't be an elephant in your room. Elephants are way too big. And first off, I don't know if you know what the sound of an elephant makes when it steps. It seemed to me it was not like anything human. Okay, well, we're definitely going somewhere else. I like that. But it was moving from me. There was relief in that. I heard it approach the door, pass out without moving bolt or lock, and wander away among the dis dismal corridors, straining the floors and joists till they creaked again as it passed. And then silence reigned once more. Okay. When my excitement had calmed, I said to myself, this is a dream, simply a hideous dream. And partly because I'm high as fuck, the acid that Jerry gave me was way too much. And so just calm down, calm down. <laughs> and so I lay thinking it over until I convinced myself that it was a dream. That, I just picture like th this person laying in the bed, like just like, tossing and turning like it was a dream it's for sure a dream of course it's a dream duh <laughs> is there water there has to be water i'm so thirsty i'm so thirsty right now do i gotta pee i don't know if i gotta pee <laughs> is it a dream it has to be a dream <laughs> okay and so i lay thinking it over until i convinced myself that it was a dream and then a comforting laugh relaxed my lips and i was happy again I got up and struck a light.
and when I found that the locks and bolts were just as I had left them, another soothing laugh welled in my heart and rippled from my lips. <laughs> oh, God, you fucking weirdo. There was nothing. The locks were, right? The locks were locked, right? I took my pipe and lit it because there was weed in it. Just kidding. I, didn't. I took my pipe and lit it and was just sitting down before the fire when down went the pipe out of my nerveless fingers. The blood forsook my cheeks and my placid breathing was cut short with a gasp. And the ashes of the hearth, side by side with my own bare footprint, was another. So vast that in comparison mine was but an infant's. That's a big put. Then I had, then I had had a visitor, and the elephant tread was explained. I put out the light and returned to bed. What? Palsied with fear. You're, you just, you had your, you were sitting there smoking your pipe. It gets knocked out of your hands, and you're like, yeah, let's just go to bed. There's, it looks like there's another foot that's right next to me that might be bigger. I put out the light and returned to bed, palsied with fear. I lay a long time, peering into the darkness and listening. Then I heard a grating noise overhead, like the dragging of a heavy body across the floor. Then the throwing down of the body and the shaking of my windows in response to the concussion. In distant parts of the building, I heard the muffled slamming of doors. I heard at intervals stealthy footsteps creeping in and out among the corridors and up and down the stairs. Sometimes these noises approached my door, hesitated, and went away again. That's fucked up. I heard the clanking of chains faintly in remote passages and listened while the clanking grew near while it warily climbed the stairways. Marking e Are you in a haunted house? This has to be a haunted house. Chains... Climbed the stairways, marking each move by the loose surplus of chain. That loose surplus, just just long surplus of chain, loose surplus of chain that fell with an accented uh, rattle upon each succeeding step as the goblin that bore it advanced. I heard muttered sentences, half uttered screams that seemed smothered violently. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? And the swish of invisible garments. It, they gotta be visible. You can't say invisible if you know that they're visible. And the swish of invisible garments, then they're visible. Because you'd notice that they're swishing. Right? Am I fucking crazy with that? And the swish of invisible garments, they're visible. I'm gonna, that's gonna mess me up. And the swish of invisible garments. The rush of invisible wings. Okay. Then I became conscious that my chamber was invaded, that I was not alone. I heard sighs and breathings about my bed and mysterious whisperings. Three little spheres of soft phosphorescent light appeared on the ceiling directly over my head. Orbs, bro. Those are fucking orbs, man. If this wasn't 1875, you'd know they're orbs, B. Clung and glowed there a moment. Or they're UFOs. Could they be UFOs? And then dropped. Two of them upon my face. Come shots. Bow, bow. And one upon the pillow. Boom. They splattered. Yep. Liquidly. 
and felt warm. Intuition told me they had turned to gouts of blood as they fell. I needed no light to satisfy myself of that. Then I saw, then I saw pallid faces, dimly luminous, and white uplifted hands. What? Floating bodiless in the air. Floating a moment and then disappearing. Yo, dude. I don't know if you've ever watched the movie 1408, but it's about time you get out the damn room, dog. The whispering ceased. And the... P.S. Like on a, like a, a scary movie note or scary situation note, when things get super loud and then they just stop... That shit scared that like that shit is like scary to like just be loud the whole time so that I know that it's going to be loud because when it stops, I'm anticipating for it to come back. And the anticipation is what is scary as hell. I know I'm not the only one that feels like that. The whispering ceased and the voices and the sounds and a solemn stillness followed. I waited and listened. I felt that I must have. Light or die, or I was weak with fear. I slowly raised myself toward a sitting posture, and my face came in contact with a clammy hand. Ooh! All strength went from me, apparently, and I fell back like a stricken invalid, invalid. <laughs> just getting hit with the hand. Boom! Just go back. Oh, God! The clammy hand, and my. F Listen to this again. I slowly raised myself toward a sitting posture. And my face came in contact with a clammy hand. God! All strength went from me, apparently, and I fell back like a stricken invalid. Then I heard the rustle of a garment. It seemed to pass to the door and go out. When everything was still once more, I crept out of the bed. Excuse me. Sick and feeble. And lit the gas with a hand that trembled as if it were aged with a hundred years. Or Parkinson's. Ah, the light brought some little cheer to my spirits. I sat down and fell into a dreamy contemplation of what of that great footprint in the ashes. By and by, its outlines began to wave and grow dim. I glanced up, and the broad glass flame was slowly wilting away. In the same moment, I heard the elephantine tread again. I noticed, I, noticed, I noted its approach, nearer and nearer, along the musty halls, and dimmer and dimmer the light waned. The tread reached my very door and paused, just sitting there like, okay, okay. The light had dwindled to a sickly blue, and all things about me, <coughs> good Lord, and all things about me, lay in a spectral twilight. The door did not open, and yet I felt a faint gust of air fan my cheek. That's a ghost, bro. And presently was conscious of a huge, cloudy presence before me. I watched it with fascinated eyes. A pale glow stole over the thing. Gradually, its cloudy folds took shape. An arm appeared, then legs then a body, and last, a great sad face looked out of the vapor. Stripped of its filmy housings, naked, muscular, and comely, 
the majestic Cardiff giant loomed above me. All my misery vanished. For a child might know that no harm could come with that ben, uh, benignant countenance. My cheerful spirits returned at once, and in sympathy with them, the gas flamed up brightly again. Never a lonely outcast was so glad to welcome company as I was to greet the friendly giant. I said, why is it nobody but you? Do you know? I have been scared to death for the last two or three hours. <coughs> I am most honestly glad to see you. I wish I had a chair. Here, here. Don't try to sit down in that thing. But it's too late. He was in it before I could stop him, and down he went, because the chair doesn't support fucking giants. I never saw a chair shivered so in my life. <laughs> oh, my God. Stop. Stop. You'll ruin it. Too late again. There was another crash, and another chair was resolved into its original elements. Okay. Get, stop. Fuck. Come on, bro. Look. We got it. Okay? Yeah. I'm happy you're here now. Happy you're not a ghost or some shit, but please, you're ruining all the chairs, and I get charged for this. This is a hotel room. I get charged. Confound it. Haven't you got any judgment at all? Do you want to ruin all the furniture on the place? Here, here, you petrified fool. But it was no use. Before I could arrest him, he had sat down on the bed, and it was a melancholy ruin. Now what sort of a way is that to do? First you come lumbering about the place, bringing a legion of vagabond goblins along with you to worry me to death. And then when I overlook an indelicacy of costume, which would not be tolerated anywhere by cultivated people except in a respectable theater, and not even there if the nudity were of your sex, you repay, just fucking lame, you repay me by wrecking all the furniture you can find to sit down on, and why will you? You damage yourself as much as you do me. You have broken off the end of your spinal column and littered up the floor with chips of your hams till the place looks like a marble yard. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You are big enough to know better. Well, I will not break any more furniture, but what am I to do? I have not had a chance to sit down for a century. That's his voice to me. And the tears came into his eyes. Poor devil, I said. <clears throat> I should not have been so harsh with you. And you are an orphan. No doubt. But sit down on the floor here. Nothing else can stand your weight. And besides, we cannot be sociable with you up way, uh, away up there above me. I want you down where I can perch on this high counting house stool and gossip with you face to face. So he sat down on the floor and lit a pipe, which I gave him. The giant smokes? threw one of my red blankets over his shoulders, inverted my sits bath on his bed, helmet fashion, and make himself picturesque and comfortable. How nice. Then he crossed his ankles while I renewed the fire and exposed the flat honeycomb bottoms of his prodigious feet to the grateful warmth. What is the matter with the bottom of your feet and the back of your legs that they are gouged up so? Infernal chillbanes. I caught them clear up to the back of my head. Roosting out there under Newell's farm. But I love the place. I love it as one loves his old home. There is no peace for me like the peace I feel when I am there. 
We talked along for half, for half an hour, and then I noticed that he looked tired and spoke of it. Tired, he said. Well, I should think so, and I will tell you all about it. Since you have treated me so well, I am the spirit of the petrified man that lies across the street there in the museum. I am the ghost of the Cardiff giant. I can have no rest, no peace, till they have given that poor body burial again. Now what was the most natural thing for me to do to make men satisfy this wish? Terrify them into it. Haunt the place where the body lay. So I haunted the museum night after night. I even got other spirits to help me. <laughs> oh my God. So he's just like, yo man, we need to get this dude fucking buried. And please, Albert, will you get up? I know. No, don't, don't tell me that you can't help me haunt. Daisy, grab him. Yeah, no, come on. We got, it's fine. But it did no good, for nobody ever came to the museum at midnight because it's closed, weirdo. Then it occurred to me to come over the way and haunt this place a little. I felt that if I ever got a hearing, I must succeed, for I had the most efficient company that perdition could furnish. Night after night, we have shivered around these mildewed halls, dragging chains, groaning, whispering, tramping up and down the stairs, till, to tell you the truth, I'm almost worn out. But when I saw a light in your room tonight, I roused my energies again and went at it with a deal of the old freshness. But I am tired out, entirely fagged out. Give me, I beseech you, give me some hope. I lit off my perch in a burst of excitement and exclaimed, This transcends everything. Everything that ever did occur. Why, you poor blundering old fossil, you have had all your trouble for nothing. You have been haunting a plaster cast of yourself. The real Cardiff giant is in Albany. Confound it. Don't you know your own remains? I never saw such an eloquent look of shame. Of pitiable humiliation overspread a countenance before. Damn, he's just making this dude feel bad. He's a giant, bro, so maybe take it easy. The petrified man rose slowly to his feet and said, Honestly, is that true? As true as I'm sitting here. He took the pipe from his mouth and laid it on the mantle. Then stood irresolute a moment. Unconsciously from old habit, thrusting his hands where his pantaloon pockets should have been, and meditatively dropping his chin on his breast, and finally said, I'm making you guys wait. Well, I never felt so absurd before. The petrified man has sold everybody else, and now the mean fraud has ended by selling its own ghost? My son, if there is any if there is any charity left in your heart for a poor, friendless phantom like me, don't let this get out. Think how you would feel if you had made such an ass of yourself. I heard his stately tramp die away, step by step, down the stairs, and out to the deserted street, and felt sorry that he was gone. Poor fellow. And sorry, you're silly. It carried off my red blanket in my bathtub. 
Holy shit, that's a ghost story by Mark Twain. I love how he ended that. How he, That's just so good. That's just so classic Mark Twain for him to be like, for him to, it's just so humorous. It's just so good. He's so good at, at uh, making there be like a dramatic moment, a dramatic pause, because I felt bad for the giant for a minute. And then for him to be like, but I'm really fucking pissed that he left with my best headphones and that, that screwdriver that I got from grandpa. Fuck. That's so good. Anyway, so uh, big takes that I get from that initially is that uh, the employment of other uh, phantoms to help him uh, in trying to um, have... It's, it feels like if you're going to try to uh, coerce uh, a tenant of said place where this body is laying under, you would try to find a way for them to figure out that um, that they're there, i.e. Uh, white noise when Michael Keaton was being seen by all those ghosts or whatever and, like, the last one he had to find. Like, you didn't fi- figure out that there was a better job, like, to, a better way for you to uh, show people the way to find this guy. That's why I think that P.T. Barnum caught a kick out of it because it probably got it, – it sounds like it took a lot, of, a lot of steam as far as, like, press was involved, especially if Mark Twain – uh, happened to write about it and um, with that being a, a satirist uh, story about it so um, I love it that's great that's wonderful that's the first time I've wrote it, uh, read it uh, and uh, so I'm, I'm certainly happy to read more from it uh, I uh, admittedly I have not read a lot of Mark Twain um, which just is a thing uh, but I'm excited with the format of short story being able to be able to um, bring it more to the forefront so that's wonderful having said that thank you so much uh this is short story bingo my name is nate chacon this is the fourth installment episode four uh make sure to ride with us again and um yeah hope you had a good time talk to you soon ciao